This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Today on the podcast, let's get back to football, shall we? We got a football game. It's been a while. Uh, it feels like it's been a while for Illinois football to play a game since Virginia because uh, we got to watch a lot of football over the last weekend. Uh, but at least we get this a few days early, a Thursday night game, 7.30 kickoff against Chattanooga. And today we will preview that game. Uh, I know as an FCS opponent, maybe you don't get up for it as much, uh, but I did talk with Jason Hegemeyer from the Illinois Ticket Office. They've given away 9,000 uh, student tickets for free over the last uh, couple of days, and they're hoping to add even more. So they're trying to make it a better atmosphere than you'd probably expect against an FCS opponent on a Thursday night when a lot of people uh, want to get home before 1 a.m. So we'll see how the rest of the crowd comes out. But uh, for Illinois, it's a huge opportunity to get to 3-1. and one. Entering a huge game against Wisconsin, of course, all the hoopla of Brett Bielema returning to Madison. But I think all of us thought if they get to 3-1 and one by the end of non-conference play after you play Indiana, uh, that if you're a third of the way through the season, you got three wins, you have a chance to make a bowl game. And while you can rue the chance of not being 3-0 and in this point and, and potentially being 4-0 and going to Wisconsin, um, you have a chance if you're 3-1. and and I think we've seen in the Big Ten West there are plenty of opportunities for wins, Nebraska Northwestern uh, especially, but uh, a lot of beatable teams left on the schedule here, along with some really good teams as well. And Illinois has to continue improving, uh, cleaning things up, especially on offense, to have the chance to make a bowl game. But you got to take care of business against Chattanooga. And while guys like Joey Wagner don't like the storyline of, of what happened in Evanston last week, I, I think it's a great example of what can happen if you make mistakes, you turn the ball over uh, against a quality FCS opponent, what can happen? The same thing happened in Fayetteville, right? Arkansas got pushed by former coach Bobby Petrino, uh, and that was a very, very close game. So Illinois, if they clean things up, I think they obviously had the talent advantage all over the field, but this is a top 10 FCS opponent. You know, could be better some FBS teams that Illinois would play. Uh, so you still got to show up and take care of business. So we will preview uh, Illinois against Chattanooga. Joey Wagner is going to join us, talk about all the storylines, talk about some recruiting stuff as well. Um, I, I do want to hit on one thing uh, before we, we get to Joey and, and our other guest, Gene Henley, who covers uh, the Chattanooga mocks for the Chattanooga 
uh, Times Free Press. He will give us some insight on the mocks and this team, what makes them a good FCS team. Uh, but Illinois has, has gone on the road. We talked about this last week on the podcast and, and offered a bunch of JUCO offensive linemen. They offered three JUCO offensive linemen uh, during the last day. Uh, this was actually on Tuesday night. Uh, Illinois offered three different JUCO offensive linemen, Desmond Schuster, um, Isaiah Jada, and Keyshawn Blackstock. So they are back in the JUCO market. Wrote about this last week. Talked to Bart, uh, Bart Miller and Brett Bielma about it. Uh, so you can go back and look at that on the site. And uh, we'll, we'll have more on these guys as we go forward. But uh, three JUCO offensive linemen they're offering. And it's because they they can sell it. Isaiah Adams is having great success. Uh, obviously, Zai Chrysler starting is, is another selling point that Illinois has. And, and Chrysler's going to be here for a while. Adams has one more year of eligibility after this. But they're losing Alex Pilstrom and Alex Palczewski, two starters. And they still have this gap uh, of Lovey Smith missed recruiting classes, a couple recruiting classes where they don't have anybody uh, on the offensive line. So there's kind of this gap of youth to the starters that they have now. And in the JUCO market, Bart Miller told me basically there might be a little bit of you know everybody focusing on the transfer market maybe jucos are going under recruited now maybe they were over recruited before because they were the only kind of transfer portal there the only kind of additions you can make that can make immediate impact now you had the transfer market uh and illinois sees an opportunity there maybe a market inefficiency for juco offensive linemen all right but let's preview the coming game thursday night Joey Wagner will join us in a few minutes, but coming up next, we'll talk with Gene Henley, who covers the Chattanooga Mocs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the Online Choir podcast and happy to have on with us Gene Henley. He covers uh, the Chattanooga mocks for the Chattanooga Times Free Press. And man, I think Illinois had enough of Chattanooga already this year with uh, Chattanooga giving Illinois basketball team one heck of a game that Chattanooga should have won. Uh, they were the better team for most of that game. Illinois finds a way to survive at least for another day or two. Uh, but now the mocks the football team pretty good football team at the FCS level top 10 number nine in the latest coaches poll they come into Champaign and Gene uh I think Kentucky would tell Illinois fans hey you should uh beware the mocks huh yeah uh quick quick side note what's funny is I when I heard that Illinois was playing Chemigan in football this year I actually with all the realignment stuff going on I was really just concerned I'm like if there's something it's maybe the Big Ten trying to get down to the southern markets but um but yeah, like it's it's a good team, and um, I know we'll get more into it. But they are a talented uh, they're a talented team that's not quite as good in certain as they were last year in certain places, but 
considerably better at other places. Well, let's talk about this Mox program first before we dive too much into the team. It's it, been a strong program for, for what seems like a, a decade here across three different coaches. Tom Marth, uh, who went on to Akron, um, was a pretty good coach here. Uh, but they, they, they're the SoCon favorite this season. Uh, what is this program under Rusty Wright uh, a couple years into his tenure? Well, it, it, it's kind of crazy because, you know, he takes over. Um, I was actually covering Tennessee when he took over. So, but I knew him from uh, his prior stint as the linebackers coach. Um, and, you know, so when I get there, I get back after COVID, um, you, you, you see a guy who's trying to get this thing, you know, on the right sort of footing. I mean, Tom was okay. Uh, Tom was three and eight and six and five. And um, like the, the program itself, it kind of dipped in that time span. I think, you know, like, I think Tom's a great guy, but I think you look at his, uh, his period in Akron and, um, and can kind of tell that, you know, that, that division one college coaching may not be the right move for him, but uh, Rusty comes in, has to kind of do some stuff as a first time head coach that he's not understanding. He's making bad decisions and bad choices along the way, but um, along the way, they're getting talent. Um, like this year they've accumulated a, a great amount of talent and uh, one game, you know, I know a lot is we're, we're going to talk about this Illinois game, but um, they don't want this to be the game that defines them. Um, like if, you know, if they win this game, uh, their goals are obviously make it to, you know, the playoffs and win the conference and maybe make a deep run into those playoffs. But um, like they're, they're a program full of, you know, transfers and uh, young guys in certain places and they've just been able to put the mix together to make themselves uh, be successful so far this season. You mentioned uh, maybe not as good uh, in certain spots as last year, but certainly uh, good off to a 3-0 and start, ranked in the top 10 of the SCS. What have you learned about the mocks through three games already? Uh, well, I didn't think they could be worse at quarterback. I knew they were going to be better regardless. Um, they brought in the Eastern Michigan transfer and Preston Hutchinson. Um but they also returned um, last year's starter in Cole Copeland, uh, two quality, you know, quarterbacks. I mean, I think what separated Preston is the fact he can run uh, with the football. But, I mean, I think Cole, uh, the issue with Copeland last year was the fact that he was the starter for most of 2017, and then he stepped away from football and pretty much from school for three years. Um, and so when he got back, he was just so rusty, so just off and – you could tell that he had improved a lot in the offseason. Um, so I, I know they're better at quarterback. Um, they're very, very talented and very, very young at receiver. Uh, they're not quite – they're not nearly as good as what they were last year on the offensive line. I think when you lose a first-round draft pick uh, to the Patriots, uh, you're not going to be as good. And uh, the front seven of their defense is really good. It's still really good. Um Still questions. Still got to figure out some stuff about. It. I think they're they're secondary. Um, got to you know figure some things out with that offensive line. But I, I'd say the majority of that team, the pieces that return, uh, they're still pretty good. Let's talk about that offense. Um, they got the new quarterback Hutchinson from Eastern Michigan, uh, and he started off really well so far. It seems like Olin Ford is a really proven running back for them. 
they have McClendon Curtis, who looks like an uh, NFL guy, potentially two NFL guys in a row on that offensive line. So what is their identity um, offensively here, Gene? And and uh, what could make them successful offensively against a team like Illinois? Well, like Rusty still is wanting to he, – he wants to be balanced on offense. Um, they're not nearly as good running – the ball this season specifically with a limb because early on I think people have just kind of said um, even as Preston has had success they're still saying yeah he's got to continue that success maybe this is the game he won't do it maybe this is the game he won't do it and, and he's the past three games he's you know he stepped up but um, they want to run it uh, I don't know exactly what their splits are uh, but I'm pretty sure they've run the ball more than they've passed um, this season you know like they, they they want to you know they want to run it they they don't want the quarterback to make bad mistakes um Preston had a really bad interception last week he had an interception against Eastern Illinois that I don't think was his fault it glanced off the receiver popped up and the linebacker comes and grabs it he for the most part makes good decisions I still you know question him at times like man I just feel like he's just he's got a three-pick game coming but he could also be have like five touchdowns in a game. Like he, he's kind of high risk, high reward a lot of times. But for the most part, he makes good decisions with the football. And, you know, and if he has success, that gives a limb an opportunity. And uh, what you'll see about a limb on Thursday is he may get hit at the line of scrimmage and he'll still somehow gain three yards. It's just his kind of just how he's wired. Um, like the kid, is, he came in, he signed with no coach. Um, he actually committed to the pre uh, to Tom staff uh, signed before they'd officially named Rusty the head coach. Comes in uh, injuries got him into the lineup as a freshman. He rushes for a thousand yards, tears his ACL, uh, spends all of COVID like flipping trucks and stuff. It was weird. Like you, I, I saw all these videos on social media of things he was doing. Um, you, know, you know, like people say he doesn't have breakaway speed. That's all he's worked on. You know, first game of the season this year, he has an 85-yard touchdown run. People were like, hey, he can't catch. He had two touchdown <laughs> catches uh, this, this last week. Um, like, that offensive identity is, you know, in terms of, like, the playmakers, it starts with him, even with Preston. Um, obviously, McClendon is a pro. We'll see how high he goes. I think he goes in the first two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that size, you know, 6'8", 320, he's a guard. Uh, he's played a little tackle, but he's mainly a guard. Um, and then they've got a bunch of receivers who are all freshmen and sophomores and um, like their leading receiver in terms of yardage this year is a redshirt freshman who was a walk-on uh, who I probably the kid's like 5'8", like 180 or something but if the kid was like 5'11", 6 foot, he would be like probably group of five um, he's been their leading receiver in two games uh, their leading receiver in terms of catches is a sophomore uh, they've got a freshman speedster that, uh, as long as he can catch the ball, it, it's really hard to stop one-on-one. I mean, like, they, they've got a number of receivers, but this identity of this team will always start and stop with number zero and what he can do run, rushing the football. Yeah. Let's, let's switch to the defensive side of the ball. And I, I think this is the thing that stands out to me most in, in talking with Barry Lenny Jr., the offense coordinator in Illinois, uh, he agrees is that this doesn't look like an FCS front seven. You mentioned it. Um, <laughs> Devonta Maxwell could play for power five teams. I, I think they're, they're running back tied back. Seems like he could be really, really good. So 
what are the strengths and what makes that group good? And what do you think they can do against a team like Illinois that has the leading rusher in the NCAA right now? Yeah. And, you know, they, five of their six um, non-secondary guys, you know, front, however you want to, you know, like front three edge, you know, inside linebackers, five of those six guys are back from last season. And that was the same defense that limited uh, Chris Rodriguez, I think, 47 yards with 13 carries, I believe, or maybe it was 45. Um, that was the, that was the same front that uh, pretty much led the Southern Conference in every statistical category. And you know, Devonche is probably it, it could be a pro if he was six four coming out of high school. Chattanooga would have never gotten right. kind of the same stuff. Um, Ty Beck, his dad played in Chattanooga. The kid is like. That kid's crazy. Um, I saw a sack he had against Eastern Illinois. He just literally just ran over the guy and stared at him on fourth down. Um, but he's a great player. Um, their other inside linebacker started his career at Louisville. Uh, their edge rusher started his career at App State. Um, and their edge rusher is actually really good, too. He probably has an outside chance because he's like 6'3", 235, and he's very rangy. Uh, their other defensive end is also really good. So – like it, it starts with it starts with that group. It starts with that you know uh, those guys' ability to you know take care of everything that needs to be taken care of um, as the secondary tries to figure some stuff out in terms of who they're going to be, how they can kind of do what they need to do to I don't want to say like not let the team down, but you know when you lose four starters in that secondary, uh, th- there's going to be a, a drop off. Um, for a while, even though they're like far more talented and more athletic than they were last year at that position. Yeah, they obviously made this a competitive game against Kentucky, took it into the fourth quarter last year. Uh, can't find a spread on this game, but if you go by the S&P numbers, things like that, it's about 13 points um, by some of those metrics and things like that. So what is the key to the mocks making this a competitive game that, that will make Illinois sweat? Man, um I don't want to say ball control, but yeah, I guess in a sense it's, it's going to be ball control. I don't mean just run and just take 29 seconds off the clock for each play. I just basically mean don't take, you know, don't turn the ball over and don't give up like big plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, you look at that Illinois team, you look at just Brett Bielema team, Brett Bielema was, you know, obviously has Iowa ties and, you know, He'd probably love to just line it up and rush it 55 times if he possibly can, but we're in 2022. You can't do that. Uh, it seems like they've improved at quarterback. Uh, I would guess that maybe their their plan is to make that guy beat you, considering the fact that their other option is um, a much more talented version of a Lim Ford who has, what, like 400 yards rushing in three games, 400-something yards rushing in three games. I mean, Chase Brown's a really good back. Um, so it, it seems like, you know, you know, Rusty kind of talked about today how, you know, they got a quarterback that can make all the throws. Well, I think Chattanooga is going to try to make him make all of these throws because I think that's your best chance of winning. If you let, if you let Chase Brown run, uh, run wild and go for 225, I don't think he'll do that. But, um, like what's interesting, like this team, like you look at the losses that they had last year, Kentucky was just indicative of that season. First game, they lost by 10. Uh, they lose to Kentucky by five. They lose two games in the season by four um, and by three, and they lose another game in overtime by three. So 
they don't look at I mean they don't look at that Kentucky loss like that was just man that was just, we were right there like they said that was our season we just didn't finish and so I'll be interested to see um, I think the conspiracy theory is that Illinois fans think that um, Chattanooga's kicker is going to make a field goal with no time left to make up for the shot that Malachi Smith <laughs> missed um, at the end of the NCAA tournament but uh, I think that will be a very fun game to watch. Um, I, I'm not – I'm Rob Lowe at the Super Bowl when it comes to uh, predictions. I try not to make them. But, I mean, if you told me that I looked up and I saw, like, 28-17 Illinois or something like that, I, I don't think that Illinois is going to hang 50 on them. Because it, but, I mean, at the end of the day, um, Chattanooga would take 70-75 to 75 of Illinois players, and Illinois may take five. Or right. 10. So from a talent perspective, you would still expect Illinois to walk away with this. But I think that this is a very talented team um, and who's hungry and will, you know, will make it a game. And we'll see what that looks like in the end. Yeah, before I let you go, Gene, um, what was the reaction when Malachi missed that shot? I mean, Coleman Hawkins made a great block in the initial one, but man, yeah. Malachi had a good look uh, before he upped and, and left for Gonzaga, which who can blame him, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I talked to a guy last night that suggested that maybe Illinois fans were maybe upset they, did, they didn't make a run at him but, uh, when he put his name in the portal. But the way last season went was just, you know, sometimes you feel those like sort of Cinderella-type stories. You've, you've been around it enough. Like, you're like, man, is this one going to go to? I mean, especially since the previous game, David G. Baptiste just hit that ridiculous shot yeah. from 40 feet out. You're like, is it going to keep happening? Because that was a game that you felt like they deserved to win, but obviously you don't always get what you deserve. And, and I think that was just, uh, it was an unfortunate ending um, to what was a great season for that team. Yeah. And, and obviously Lamont Paris got rewarded for it going to South Carolina. I was really impressed when we covered him uh, in Pittsburgh. I thought, you know, he was a really good coach. So uh, Chattanooga mocks uh, Terrell Owens, always supporting him. Uh, good to see that. But uh, Gene uh-huh. Healy, Chattanooga times free press. Always appreciate the time, man. Uh, enjoy the game on Thursday night. Yes. Yes, man. Hey, you too, man. Thanks for having me, man. Great stuff from Gene. Let's talk some Illini football with Joey Wagner coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's preview Illinois against Chattanooga. We got football again, Joey Wagner. Like, it's only been, what, nine, ten days? But I'm getting to that point. Like, we've had a lot of media availability. Kudos to Brett Bielema and his staff and uh, for giving us so much. But it's time to play a football game again. And uh, Chattanooga, an FCS team, but a top ten FCS team. And uh, the storyline has to be, right? Like, you just saw Northwestern get beat by an FCS team. And one that was top ten coming into the season but lost their first two games. Uh, And then you saw Arkansas almost get beat by their former coach, Bobby Petrino, in Missouri State. Uh, So Missouri Valley, pretty dang good. But uh, you got to be aware because Chattanooga's got a couple players, man. I'm not going to say, like, Illinois shouldn't beat them by 20 points. But, 
I think we've seen the last week. You get a good FCS team against a team that makes mistakes, and Illinois has made mistakes the last couple weeks. Uh, you might have some issues going into the fourth quarter. Sure. I, 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 I preemptively ignore it. Not buying it. I just, like, okay, there, yeah. There's going to be no sweating, no sweating at all. I'm not saying, like, I don't think, I'm not going to, I do think Illinois is going to win this game. I don't yes. think it's a hot take or unexpected. I just, like, from a narrative angle, as soon as Northwestern lost, like, oh, God, here we go. This is going to be, like, the question of, for, like, this week, the next few days. It I get, like, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, Especially when be. you're, like, let's be honest. Like, Illinois never lost to an FCS team, so maybe it shouldn't be the question. But Illinois still got some hurdles to overcome before we can sure. come into a game like this. And when the number 10 team in the country got pushed by a good FCS team, I still think it's fair. Sure. It's, it's not unfair. I just am kind of like, Ugh. all right. Like, I, it's Illinois can't make some of the mistakes that we've seen Illinois make. And now you probably can get away with a couple, as you did against Virginia, as you did against Wyoming. But I, I'm not jumping all the way into the lookout for the FCS no. schools coming to, to flip the flip the world on its head here. It could be a close game, and it might be one of those games that Illinois offensively has some mistakes early or, or probably leaves some points on the board. I think that's fair. But the narr- I, I cannot wait for the narrative. Now, for us, Jeremy, like in the media, the narrative switches to Brett's back in Madison. It's like, oh, my God. Here's another thing he's not going to you know, be interested in answering. Which is I, a legit storyline, it, it, it is. All these things are legit. I'm just like, oh, God. All See, right. I, I was sick of hearing Brett returning to Madison in July. <laughs> but now it will it will make sense going into next week, which could be a huge game if Illinois is 3-1 and one and Wisconsin's 2-2 two and two after playing Ohio State potentially. So we'll get to that at, at some point here. But for me, the story of this game, Joe, you just mentioned you can't shoot yourself in the foot. If you have four turnovers – Chattanooga's going to have a chance in this game, right? Like, uh, maybe Ryan Walters' defense keeps a team in the single digits again, but I don't think you can count on that every week. Like, another team is going to make plays no matter what level it's at. Virginia just happened to not really make any plays. I think they're a mess in that first year with all the turnover that's happened, the the, the offensive line guys they lost. But but Chattanooga's feeling itself a little bit as a top ten team, three and zero, thinking they can go into what has been a historically bad Power Five team at Illinois and and having a historic win. And Brett Bielema has mentioned that. But for me, I have so much confidence in Ryan Walters and this defense that I think Illinois will win this game. And I, I think it in the fourth quarter they'll be able to get some some backups in the game. Um, Chase Brown is is the best player on the field and one of the best players in the Big Ten right now. So I think the fact that you have those two things. I think this staff continues to accrue the credibility that some of the things of the past are in the past, but um, we still saw the Indiana game, right? We've still seen eight turnovers over the last two weeks. If Illinois has four turnovers again, this could be a game. If Illinois cleans that up, I think this will be what you want to be Illinois versus an FCS team, that they, they should take care of business on defense. They'll move the ball offensively. Chase Brown will have a dominating day, but you can't have four turnovers. And, you know, I asked this week with Barry Loney, how do you address that? They, they do it every week in drills with ball security. He said, we just make more of an emphasis. We talk about it more. And we don't want our guys to, to be too conservative here of not fighting for extra yards or not throwing it into a spot where you can make a big play. But you also just need to be aware we need to take the ball, take care of the ball better. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. I thought that answer, Jeremy, from Barry Lonnie, Barry Lonnie was fascinating. Like, the, we're not going to play scared because there were times last season, 
And maybe some oh, of this is yeah. from the top down, but there were definitely times last season where it's like, okay, they're inside the 15. They're just going to try to find a way to punt this thing out of here uh, eventually. Like, it just felt like there was a, they were conservative at times. And now we still got to see what that looks like if, you know, whatever situations are presented. But I just thought Barry Lunny's answer to we're not going to play scared and, you know, like fear this turnover bug, but there, there are ways to go in there and make sure that that's not something that can get you beat by a team you shouldn't lose to. That's a great point because last year they would get a lead and basically play ball protection the rest of the game, right? And they got away with it a couple times uh, because Ryan Walters' defense was so good, but at some points you, you got to score points. Like college football, they, people score a lot of points in college football, right? At some point you got to take that next step. And I, I think this is a chance for the offense to kind of feel itself going into what is probably its toughest matchup of the year at Wisconsin right like that Jim Leonard defense despite them losing to Washington State on the road that defense is still elite uh and no matter who's playing on that team the most overqualified defensive coordinator in the country is finding a way to just year after year just like Phil Parker in Iowa they are finding a way to be an elite defense and you're probably not going to score more than 20 points against that team but you're probably going to have to score that many so I think it's important for the offense to to stay aggressive, to establish themselves against a Chattanooga defensive line that's not a normal FCS defensive line. Devonta Maxwell is a two-time FCS All-American. Uh, they have some edge rushers that are pretty good. They got nine or three hundred eleven pound nose guard. They got a linebacker and Ty Beck, who's an FCS All-American. Uh, so they got some decent players up front, and I think they've limited their opponents. Uh, to to very small amount of rushing yards. Kentucky did not run the ball particularly well against this team last year when you know Chattanooga took Kentucky to the fourth quarter. Um, I, I think it's going to be very important to establish your identity there, but also find some confidence in throwing the ball. Maintain your balance that you've had, Joey, because you're going to have to throw the ball most likely at Wisconsin. I don't see Illinois running for 200 yards uh, in Madison. Yeah, this – and again, like, I understand your point from her. Like, you don't want to just overlook this. Like, it's it's nothing. Because this is a team that, to your exact point, can beat, beat you if you do exactly the things that they've done. But this also feels like a chance where maybe you start to pop your chest out a little bit offensively in terms of your ability to throw the ball and, and feel like maybe you can, okay, hey, we cleaned up these mistakes and look at the, like, look at the output we were able to have. So like that, that's what I like. I think that opportunity could present itself. I don't mean to sound like this is going to be a forty-two right. to three game, but I just think that you can maybe feel like you pro- were like productive over that bye week and have some of the that output that you feel like you've been close to getting, but just haven't yet. Yeah, because let's be honest, like Wyoming has won three straight games since you beat yeah. them thirty-eight to six. Indiana, you should have scored thirty-five points, right? Last week against Virginia, you should have scored forty points. And you're, you didn't do it. Like, they are so capable of having a monster offensive game against a Chattanooga team. Yeah, it's a good FCS team, but it's an SCS team. Like, th- there's a chance to really establish yourself, gain some confidence, and go into Madison with a chance to kind of make a, a, a big statement. Uh, and oh, make no, it- kind of, dude. That's a huge statement to go in there and Brett's first return yeah. and beat Wisconsin. Yeah. That's a huge statement. Because even though Wisconsin won't be ranked, they're, they're still Wisconsin, right? That is the class. That is what you're trying to be eventually down the line it's gonna take many years to to establish what wisconsin has done but that is your goal is to be that team and to beat that team for a second time in four years would kind of be a a big moment for illinois right and then you're four and one you're going back home to iowa 
right? But you got to take care of business against Chattanooga. Um, I think I, I think Chattanooga's offense is in for a, a rude awakening, though, right? Um, because they got they got a good offensive lineman, McClendon Curtis, who is a power five guy. Like he he could play at the power five level, six six three twenty five. They have a good running back and a lean forward. I think Illinois has probably played better running backs so far already this year. I, I think Titus Swen is the best running back they've played all year, and I I think William Ford's good, but I don't think he's he's tied to Swen in Illinois. You know, gave up some yards to Swen, but I don't think Ford's quite as good. Uh, and then a quarterback came from Eastern Michigan. I think like Peasley, he can make you pay with his legs. So keeping contain is going to be very very important for them. But I, I think Ryan Walters is going to bring the heat, and, and I think he trusts his defensive backs, especially against a. A smaller group of Chattanooga wide receivers got a lot of five eight, five nine, five ten guys. Uh, I, I think this this could be another flex of, of Ryan Walters' defense this week against an overmatched opponent. Well, I think that's fair, and I think you're gonna like we saw some blitzes dialed up against Virginia, and, and like when the linebackers can get going, they they're fast. Like they're fast linebackers, they can get down there, they can they can make those uh, I guess make those plays. But yeah, I, I think that's a good point, Jeremy. The, the Illinois defense train. I I still feel like we might walk out of there on Thursday night being like, eh, kind of feels like Wyoming. Don't know how much more yeah. I learned, uh, but I still think that defense can kind of kind of flex a little bit and go into Madison with some 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 more. I don't know that they're, they're lacking for any defensive yeah. swagger right now. Who, who's your if you had to pick a pick to click defensively, Jeremy? Who do you take? I mean, like who's I mean, obviously, like you got your your normal, like Devin, like the safety. But if there's somebody who's like, oh, this might be like that person we're talking about, like a Johnny Newton had against Indiana or Keith Randolph against Virginia. Who do you got? I, I mean, I, I was going to pick those guys because <laughs> they're just <laughs> they're so good. It's an FCS opponent. Like uh, you'll see in our overs and unders, I'm setting the the number of pressures. I added one to your list, Joey, that, that you do so well putting those together. I, I added some pressures. I added seven and a half as the over hundred and. I'm going to take the over of those two guys. It's about time for Sidney Brown game. I thought he was really good. I, so. uh, I thought he was really good against Virginia, but maybe didn't make the pop plays. He's not that like, he's just making a lot of tackles and things like that. Um, so maybe it's unfair because he's, he's played well. Um, but I think he could, he could make some big plays against uh, an offense like this, especially with the quarterback who I think can scramble a little bit with his legs and make you pay if you miss some tackles. And, now, I know they missed a couple tackles against Virginia, but they were on plays that really didn't end up mattering. This is a really good tackling team, and I think that's going to be uh, important again against a quarterback who, who can get out and run. So maybe a Sidney Brown. Are, are you taking Are you taking the guy that you just wrote about? Is that who you're going with? No. I, I actually might take an inside linebacker. Like, those guys have just kind of been, uh, for the most part, like steady. Like, is this a game that maybe we see like that Calvin Hart we saw against Nebraska that you see – I think Isaac Darkangelo has been playing well, especially the last two games. Can he, like, have some flash plays like that? Tariq Barnes. It, will one of those guys be the ones? I don't – I mean, I, I think there's probably a few options. The answer is probably who we just are, are <laughs> dancing around saying, and that's the law firm. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Darkangelo played really well uh, against Virginia. Uh, I think he's one, been one of their top two linebackers. I think Barnes has made some really good plays in the edge, uh, especially in some of the option game, which is going to be important this week. Um yeah, C.J. Hart, you're wondering if that injury played a role there. And I think we got to mention this. It popped up in my head. I just don't want to forget it again. Um, Illinois has got a huge advantage here and that they're going to have 12 days between games, right? And Chattanooga, Chattanooga just played five days ago. 
Like, and they have to travel. Tell I mean, you got to travel built in there. So Illinois got a massive advantage there. Like this should be a tired Chattanooga team still recovering from its last game. Now that was a blowout for them. Maybe rested some guys late. I didn't see the whole film of that game, but like that's that's a massive advantage for Illinois to be able to prepare for this opponent for this long and then have that rest and to come out at home. 8,000 student tickets given away for this game, so they're going to try and have a, a fired-up crowd. Because I think, I think for every two of us norms, old people in the stands, one student is worth that noise and decibel level. So even if it's under 30,000 in the stands, if you get 8,000 students, uh, I think it could be a pretty fired-up crowd on a Thursday night, which back in my day in Champaign, Joey, Thursday night was the going-out night. Well, I mean, <laughs> I just, hey, take a shuttle. And just pick up anybody you can find on Green Street and bring them to the stadium. I, I do have one over. I don't know if you want to answer it here. If we're going to give it away. We haven't written this down yet. I just thought about it. Yeah. We have to put over under touchdowns allowed at home 0.5 in this game. That's right. Because they haven't given up a touchdown at home yet, right? That's an amazing stat. Do we answer it or do we tease the over-unders? I mean, at some point, you got to give up a touchdown. I think Chattanooga's offense is capable, right? Like, I don't think they're going to move the ball incredibly well. That is an amazing stat. If it goes into the Iowa game, like if they, oh if they, my God. If they don't give up a touchdown, <laughs> you feel pretty good about that continuing, given what Iowa's offense has been so far this year. Uh, that, well, I'll put that in there. I, I don't know what my answer would be right now. Hmm. I mean, the score I'm predicting suggests a touchdown, so I probably would go over. Hater. Plus, if you're a man, <laughs> Illinois giving up a touchdown, like, man, two years ago, Joe, or three years ago, I might have this Chattanooga team scoring 20-something against Illinois, right? Is there a, they have a tight end by any chance that they can run off the seam. I like to go off the seam. Uh, missed tackles galore. But, but, like, in reality, like, that stat is pretty pretty nuts. No matter the opponent. I mean, especially consider it was Virginia. Why? I mean, Wyoming's no, no pushover. Like, right? They, they've bounced back. That's been a good program. I did not see that coming, by the way. When yeah. we left Memorial Stadium that day, I mean Air Force is a good team. They beat they beat Air Force, and then Virginia's a mess. But that they got talent, man. They were on like the three yard line in the fourth quarter against for the better part of time, like reserves. And then obviously they went back to the starters. But like yeah. at some point, even in like late garbage time, somebody finds their way to the end zone, right? Isn't that isn't that why we have so much confidence? Like I still have, like I'll, I'll say it. Like if, if you have four turnovers, I think Chattanooga could have a chance here. But that's what I think is going to be necessary because I think Ryan Walters' defense is so good. Jay Layman said on this pod, I think the defense is very talented. Uh, and then you got Chase Brown and, and an offensive line that can move people. So I think going up against an FCS opponent with those two things known, and then a passing attack that's shown it can at least be solid this year. Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence. You know, when to to take care of business here. Plus, I mean, I, you and I have said it. I think it's a really good coaching staff. I, I think it's a really good coaching staff. That no matter what you uh, you say about Wisconsin, Iowa, some of those, they usually end up winning those games, right? Like they they don't drop those kind of games that often. No, they don't. And and Brett Bielma say it's like for his. We talked to him a couple times last week, and and now today he's saying all the right things, right? He said today he goes, "I've never used the term FCS this week." Okay, well. The rest of us have uh like he's not this isn't one of those like I, I think he's cognizant of how the schedule lays out i guess is what i'm trying to say and understanding what's next and he knows every question that's going to come on monday and he knows 
for him and then the guys on Tuesday and Wednesday. He knows all that's coming. I think he's cognizant of, of making sure this isn't one of those – I mean, it's a trap game, right? I mean, I think he's he's making sure that's not the case. We saw that. We saw that in 2019. Eastern Michigan yep. wasn't an FCS team. But, man, that was a pretty jarring loss for Illinois. Yeah, and that, that's part of being a good program is being consistent week to week. And it's why, you know, I asked Drake Barnes about it. I asked Quan Martin. Like, did that open your eyes of Northwestern? You said, no. Like, we approach every week like, hey, we we have a chance to, to win this game or lose this game. And we need to take it seriously because you, you only get 12 opportunities at this. And Illinois needs to be over losing those kind of games. Now, they haven't lost the FCS opponent. So, no matter um, who the coach has been before – Illinois hasn't hasn't lost to them. Uh, what other things are you looking for in this game, Joey? Because because one of mine would be, if things go well, you might be able to get some some backups into this game in the fourth quarter. And and the one guy I think we, we thought could play in this game is Aiden Lawfrey because Reggie Love's been solid. Seems like he's been battling injuries forever, and, and it still seems like he's not completely healthy. We've seen flashes where he can be solid. Um, but until Josh McCray comes back, they might need somebody else who can make some explosive plays back there. Uh, Nate Lawfrey is one they've been talking about for a while. We knew as a recruit had that kind of ability. We saw it during the spring game, and, or we saw it during the, during the spring, maybe not the spring game, because uh, he was injured. But I think he's a guy that would be really interesting to watch late in this game. Hank Beatty. Um, get more involved if, if Isaiah Williams can sit late in this game. Uh, Aiden Lawfrey potentially getting touches would be something I'd watch for in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think the two obvious ones are the turnovers, right? Offensively, is don't don't give up the ball. I think I, I'm really interested in the penalties too, Jeremy. Those have been more like probably than you would expect. Brett Bielan was asked about that today and had talked about, you know, you can live with some of those during the snap penalties. You don't love them, right? But there's going to be a holding call. There's going to be a pass. Like those, yeah. those things happen uh, as part of the game. You want to coach them out as much as you can. But it's the false start. It's the uh, lining, you know, offsides. It's it's some of that post post snap stuff that he that is frustrating for yeah. him. So do you clean those two like things up and, the personal and especially fouls, right the personal, personal fouls. fouls? Yeah, and and even like some of the block in the backs that's cost Isaiah Williams probably 70 yards at this point or you know whatever the case may be so like big picture those things but yeah dude I'm fascinated we it seems like every week other than that Wyoming game like is this the week that Aiden Lawfrey is gonna like I want to be careful because I don't want this to sound like we think that they've got some like Lamborghini that they've been waiting but I just think he's so interesting because he's so fast and, and he's a big enough kid and he's different in that running back room that can add that element. Because let's be honest, like Chase Brown's gone after this year. He should be, right? Like uh, he will be in some training camp next year. I don't know whether he'll be drafted or not, uh, but he's certainly putting together a monster year where he's more on NFL draft radars. Josh McCray is going to be the bell cow back next year, uh, and I think he could be great at it. Um, the question is, who's the, who's the speed guy? Who, who's the playmaker? Reggie Love has not proven to be that quite yet. Now, if he's healthy, maybe he can be. We've seen some burst with him at times. Uh, but the, the way they talk about it, Corey Patterson told me the other day that Chase or he has some Chase things in him and his ability to to accelerate and, and to get by a defense. Those are things you want to see in a game because I think it could be Aiden Lawfrey and Josh McCray is the top two running backs next year. Now, I think Illinois has a hell of a, hell of a sell to a portal guy if they want to, but it's a deep room. But outside of Chase Brown and, and Josh McCray, You'd like to see some guy show some explosive ability. That's why I, I find him really intriguing. And let's mention a guy's probably going to get his first career start, Gabe Backus. Yeah, that was my next guy. Yeah, so, I'm fascinated 
to see what he can do as a. I mean, we've seen last last week the game against Virginia. You saw him come up with two sacks, and they've been building Jeremy right. Like I don't feel like those came out of nowhere. You saw him getting back there against Indiana. We've heard about his pass rush moves. You you thought that was going to be somewhere that he was going to be able to come in and and give them an element of getting to the quarterback. I didn't know that it was going to happen before the first bye week. But you just when you look at the guy physically, you've heard kind of those reports. That was that's what you thought. But now there's what does this look like on first and second down responsibilities where it's not just go go get the quarterback. You've got other things you've got to do. And how do they mix in Alec Bryant into that mix? Because you've got to. Like I, yeah. I think there's no more waiting around like where's are you gonna see him today? You're you're gonna have to see him out there. And will he be maybe a supplemental first second down guy like how does that particular side of the outside linebacker rotation shake out more than just going and getting the quarterback we saw uh after practice uh on monday was it <laughs> we saw seth coleman gabe Ankis, and uh alec bryant all walking in i asked you and scott ritchie are those the three most impressive looking guys on the team just walking by us right now because they they look like what you want an edge rusher to look like and gabe's actually more massive and that he weighs more than Alec Bryant, but Alec Bryant is certainly a strong, strong man. Those guys have been pass rushers, right? Like they've come in on third downs, especially against Indiana and were pass rushers. And then Gabe did the same thing last week before Ezekiel Holmes got hurt out for the season. Now you just plug Gabe Atkinson as a starter, but Gabe, I think you had the stat, Joey, and in your story, five, rushing down so far he's he's had five rush well in, in the last two games he had yeah. more against wyoming but wyoming almost never passed right i mean so anytime he was out there but yeah it's the last two games have skewed very heavily towards pass rush situations so i have no doubts i mean jay layman broke down the film you watch you rewatched him joey like this guy's a pass rusher is incredibly talented and natural at it but I did remember against Wyoming, I think he got sucked in, missed a, an, a t- an opportunity to uh, keep the quarterback in contain. Against the run, I'm really interested to see what he does this week because what are you going to face against Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota? They're going to run the ball straight at him. And, and same thing with Alec Bryant. Alec Bryant, basically a freshman, even though he's in his third year of college, right? He's a third year. When, when you say straight at him, you mean literally straight at those two until they prove they can stop it, if that's not been the case until then. Yeah. Yeah, because Braylon Allen is is awesome. Mo Ibrahim is awesome. Now, Iowa really doesn't have that guy, and their offensive line isn't as good as normal Iowa offensive line. So maybe that's a different one. But, like, I think this is a really important game for him to be reliable against the run, to set the edge. Because when you're a pass rush, you're just – Find your pass rush move, get the guy off balance, get around him, get through him. Uh, as, as a run stopper, like you have to – it's a different set of skills, right? It, it's not making the play every time, going after the quarterback every time. It's it's making sure you're living up to your responsibility in the run fit. So I think Gabe Ackes will get it down, but he's a freshman. I think there's going to be some growing pains there, and Alec Bryant just hasn't played a lot of football too. So we might see some growing pains from them against the run, not that I expect against Chattanooga, but I think that's why this could be a very valuable game just to get those reps. Yeah, I also wonder, I mean, we saw, I think, uh, a couple times against Virginia, Keith Randolph lined up as a pretty wide end. Yep. Like where he, if you would have just walked by, you'd have thought like, oh, this guy's lined up at outside linebacker, kind of in that same neighborhood over there. So will they do that again? Maybe if, you know, to, to kind of ease some of that growing pains, will they walk 
a, a linebacker down a little closer to the line of scrimmage to be a part. Like I, I'm yeah. interested in how Ryan Walters beyond just saying go Alec and go Gabe and figure out how he kind of move some pieces around if that's the case yeah. to, to offset that. It's a great point, Joey, because we've seen one of those inside linebackers basically be an edge guy. Uh, CJ Hart's done it a lot. Uh, Tariq Barnes has done it a lot. Um, where those guys are basically your edge guys. And Keith Randolph can bounce out there, uh, especially on early downs, right? So it's a really good point that you can kind of mix and match the personnel, which is what I love about uh, what I love about Ryan Walters because you never know what you're getting. Pre-snap, like he can show something, and it can be completely different. One play to the next play, completely a, a different personnel package with Johnny Newton in a different spot or Keith Randolph in a different spot. Like Keith can play nose, Keith can play outside. Like your inside linebackers can play everywhere. Uh, Sidney Brown is just an amoeba back there doing whatever he wants. I wanted to bring Sidney Brown up because I asked Ryan Walters on Sunday, like, "Hey, how much? Like on a scale of can do whatever he wants to like <laughs> here is some framework. Like, how much freedom does he have to?" pre-snap to to do this stuff and he goes well i mean i haven't told him to stop which i thought was a pretty good point and what what do we hear from sydney all the time he's like he lets me play how i play yes and and what ryan said was sydney doesn't just run around like an insane person trying like everything every movement is kind of to show something else that they've done out of that that package and like i thought that was so interesting and that's why sydney brown's so important to what they do defensively even if he hasn't had you know, that insane Sidney Brown game like we've seen him have because he can present those different looks and, and just to confuse quarterbacks. We've said it a thousand times, Jeremy, confuse college quarterbacks yeah. and good things, confuse them and pressure them, and you can probably force them into making a mistake. And, and Sidney Brown, just his ability pre-snap to do that is a blast to watch. I, I liked your pick to click. So I, defensively, I just picked Sidney Brown because uh, it feels like he's in for like a big flashy day. Uh, even okay. though he's he's great between the tackles normally. Uh, did you pe- did you have a defensive guy? Did you pick one of the linebackers? Oh shoot! Yeah. Give me give me CJ Hart. This feels like okay. Maybe a CJ Hart game. All right. The non Chase Brown category of <laughs> offensive pick to click. Who you got? Pat Bryant. I think right. I think that fumble probably ate at him a little bit and it didn't ultimately cost him anything but you know didn't hurt him i think he's i'm curious like he's a deep shot guy is this a game you can maybe try to work out some some of those and and get some deep shots he's my if we we really have to say every week non-chase brown picked a click probably huh and why are we not saying isaiah williams well i i was going to Um, because it's cheap i know but like he had what 19 yards against virginia something like that not very many He's going to get 10 touches. I think some weeks it's going to work out great. Some weeks it's going to be 100-something yards. Some weeks it's going to work out where he gets tackled for a loss because somebody missed a block. I won't name names. Somebody misses a block, and he gets tackled for a loss, and you're behind the sticks. Uh, you know, He's had a couple drops, too, that, that certainly have hurt uh, some of his production. He also might have a chance to break one on a punt. Uh, you, I saw you added that in the over-unders. You're pumped. You're feel, ready for it. I don't know if it's going to happen that often, but feels like he's going to break one whether it's a 60 yard gain uh, and gets tackled inside the 20 or he actually gets the touchdown he's he's really talented back there like it, that that move is maybe he gets hurt on one of these knock on wood but like that looks like it's been a really really smart move but i just think he's going to get 10 touches so outside of chase brown it's the easy pick because it might be 25 yards uh, but it could be 100 
and something. Plus, he gets the ball on punt returns. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, you could like that's the thing we do these not to keep going back to the over unders, but like it's it's a lot of how we think about like what are kind of like the storylines or what are things that we should focus on, and you have you always have to put Chase Brown Chase Brown rushing yards in there because you know it's always going to be a good number and a fun number to discuss, but you have to put Isaiah Williams yards in there. And sometimes it's going to fluctuate because of exactly what you said, but you know he's always, like, I guess my long-winded point is, like, those are two guys you know and with Barry Lonnie are focal points of the offense and are always going to have those opportunities to have some of those larger games because of how they crater or cater the offense to them. Uh, one more note I want to make is I'm interested to see if Julian Pearl gets through the whole game because obviously he got pulled second half. It seems like he's fine. Uh, they just wanted to be cautious with him last game, and they were they knew they had control of that game. Uh, so they pulled Julian Pearl uh, early in the second half, which was great because I think you got to see Isaiah Adams just play extremely well at left tackle, which is an unbelievable, valuable piece. Uh, the fact that he's a really good left guard and a really good left tackle, and he got one more year of him. He's he's been he'd be a top five MVP vote for me on the offense. Um, Chase Brown, Tommy DeVito. Isaiah, I don't know. I might have Paucho and Adams above Isaiah. I, I would put Isaiah in the same way. And this is I don't want this comparison to sound stupid, but like the same way that like when you watch the Warriors, there's a gravity about Steph Curry that you always have to yep. account for his presence. Like in that same way, Isaiah Williams is not Steph Curry, yep. but in the same way, the, the defenses always have to account for where he goes. But like Paucho and Adams have been the best two offensive linemen on this team for my money so mm-hmm. far. Like. Julian Pearl looked like he was a little bit hurt last week, giving up two sacks. But if he's back, you get that offensive line to gel a little bit more. I thought Pilstrom and Chrysler had their best games against Virginia, just not having the communication breakdowns. Maybe you miss a block or two. That's going to happen. The defense is going to take advantage of it. But um, this is an FCS defensive line, but they do have talent. So I think it's really important for that group to have a good performance and to take care of business and not be an issue be able to run the ball for 150-plus yards, 200 yards, and then be able to protect your quarterback really well going into, again, what is the the toughest battle they're probably going to have all year at Wisconsin. Again, I, and maybe remind me to ask Bielema after the game if this kind of plays out, but I'm curious is if you get a chance where the game is to the point that you can maybe rotate in some of those twos, do you maybe leave Pilstrom and Chrysler out there with some more twos around them and you know you could add Adams if you want or whoever to you know do you keep some of that interior around them to continue with that communication and those reps uh I, I just I thought they played their best game last week but if do you want to you know do you keep pushing on that or do you get them out of there and, and get to Madison I think that's an interesting little plot there and I wrote about it last week uh, in my notebook, but kudos to Jordan Slaughter man like I, oh. I don't think he set the world on fire or anything but he's been a solid really relief pitcher for the offensive line like he can come in and clean up some stuff if you have an injury he started against indiana played solidly uh as a sixth guy like that's not something they've had in recent years like last year their guy was pilstrom right and i think but at this time but at this time last year we had no idea who that fifth lineman i mean we had idea who was going to but it hadn't been sorted out and you certainly didn't have a six that you felt that comfortable with at this point a year ago yeah, so like he's played 150 snaps, which is I think as much as Pearl so far. Yeah, more than Pearl so far this year. So he's basically been a starter for you, and he's played a serviceable starter. So that that's really encouraging when you got six guys. You feel like you can count on like Slaughter's not as physical or as big uh, as Chrysler. I still think he's 
he's working back some confidence from from that ankle injury. But uh, the fact that you can plug him in there and, and play and feel like you're you're solid, I think it's been a very valuable piece and, and could be if they have another injury at some point on the offensive line. Any leftover thoughts heading into Chattanooga? No, I'm with you, dude. Like I, I was thinking, like, what if this was a normal week schedule? It'd be about Friday. Like it's Tuesday right now. I'm like, oh my god. What I don't. What come on? What what do we have left here? I'm glad we don't have to wait till Saturday to actually see something new and keep writing. We did see uh, Jeremy that the coaches were out on the road recruiting yes. Friday night. Uh, I know we saw on the internet that Brett Bielma, Ryan Walters were at Gasp Kankakee, where mm-hmm. Jire Hill is probably the top prospect still remaining on their board right now. But I, I thought to see them get out, Brett Bielema has bi-week plans where he and his coaches mm-hmm. go out recruiting, go out, get their face out there, see some of these guys. And I thought it was telling. We had it on our board, our VIP board, where every coach was, but I thought that was pretty telling where they were. Yeah, I'll, I'll put this one out there, Joey. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bielema stopped by uh, Kankakee. He also stopped by Simeon High School. Where Chris Burgess, 2025, edge rusher is a top priority for them. But one Malik Elzey, uh still <laughs> is is still at Simeon, and he's tearing it up. We, we I saw Michael O'Brien a week ago at Sun-Times. He said this guy's like right now the runaway player of the year. He's been amazing. Of course, he's committed to Cincinnati. Cincinnati, a couple losses. Illinois trying to show something in the passing game uh, to a four-star wide receiver. So it's not a surprise. Like There's guys, there's teams going after JoJo Hayden, who you caught up with. Um, and there's teams going after other Illinois commits. Illinois is going to go after other teams' commits. And wide receiver and defensive line certainly are two big needs of theirs. So I thought it was really smart by Bielma to go where he went. Jair Hill, Malik Elzey, where else would you want him to be? You you would not want him <laughs> to be anywhere else. It, and it, was, it wasn't the second bye week, right? And I don't know. I don't know if that matters here or there, but that was clearly a pretty – you send your, your defensive coordinator to – to one, and then you go with George McDonald. I, I believe was was with Brett at Simeon. George's has. I know you've written about it, Jeremy. He he, he was the lead one, uh, one of the two two or three lead guys there on Malik Elzey. I thought that was interesting. I thought Brett Bielma said something interesting today. I asked him just about the reception of going out there, and and he said, you know, so they get forty two of these evaluation days. So to understand it, when Brett Bielma, Ryan Walters, both to see at Kankakee, that's two yep. evaluation counts, I guess is the best way I could could describe it. But he said he's saving some back because the state championship game, games over two days, Thanksgiving week, are at Memorial Stadium. It matters to him to get out there. And I don't think that's reinventing the wheel, but I thought it was interesting at least to, to kind of circle that out there on November or September 20th and, and say, hey, this is my plan for, for that week. This guy's done everything right in pursuing in-state prospects. They haven't landed some of the top 10 guys right outside of Fagan. Uh, But I think he understands how important it is for him to be seen at that. When it's at Champaign, and let's be honest, like Lovey Smith I think went to one, but I think it's just really important to be there. Uh, So I I think kudos to him for doing that. Jair Hill and Kankakee could be there. But I think more than anything, an Illinois coach should be at those things. Shaking hands, seeing people talking to coaches about how important it is that they're here and that they host it and you know i know he wants to host it. i know josh whitman wants to host it the scheduling issues at the ihsa are really interesting because dekalb's got the same issues uh southern and illinois state uh i think illinois state would love to host it they're their potential one but would they pass up an fcs playoff game if, if that were a key that year like 
man, that's that's passing on something. So it's going to be very fascinating, Joe. Like you covered this. Uh, what the IHSA is going to do because, you know, Northern, even though they can play those midweek Maction games, they might have a game, uh, you know, on a Friday or Saturday during that week. Illinois certainly will have the Northwestern game every other year. So I know they want one place. I'm fascinated to find out what that one place could be because everyone else seems to have conflicts. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, just as you look at this and you look at the seating requirements that they want and you look at this guy, it's hard for me to think that that one place exists unless that one place is, in 10 years soldier field but like right or, now or arlington heights right but right now if you tried to play a game on the friday saturday at soldier field uh the bears would have a pretty crappy field to play on <laughs> well crappier crappier a much crappier field to play on on sunday and that wouldn't go over i just I, i'm interested in how it lines up I, I don't think illinois by i mean we haven't heard anything new in a while I don't have to make a lot of concessions because I don't think there's a lot of other options yeah. sitting out there. I mean, like, I, I understand could they move the Northwestern game up a few days? I wouldn't if you don't have to. I'm not yeah. going to ask my guys to play on Thanksgiving. You want a four-day turnaround, five-day turnaround? I don't think no, people want that, to do I, that. I just, and I don't think you have to to do that. And, I, and to your point I want to make earlier, you know who's going to catch Brett Bielema if he's at the state championship games, where, wherever he might be? Every freaking TV camera during every game on TV, and Brett Bielman knows that. He's got to know that. He's done this a long time. That would make sense. Like, he, he just hey, – you're right. Like, the recruiting has left some to be desired in terms of landing some of those top prospects. But we've talked since he got – like, I feel still feel like the process has been sound. I don't think they could have anything else. you can't change is 10 years ago. You yeah, can't change the last 10 years. With Jair Hill, you're going up against Michigan. It's It's Michigan. Right? And you're fighting. And you're fighting. Like yeah. that should tell you what the process is. Like you're fighting. You're swinging. You're maybe landing some punches in this fight. And, and Malik Elzey, it's like you're going up against a program that just was in the college football playoff, that just had a wide receiver t- draft in the top 60, uh, just had nine guys get drafted last year. They're going to the Big 12. Like, and Illinois had 150 yards of passing offense a game, right? Like, on paper, it was kind of amazing that Illinois went as far as they did. But like now, you're hoping you can sell wins, you can sell production, you can sell more NFL draft picks in coming years. Which I think this next year they have a good chance to have a, a decent draft class. But um, that's why it's important to keep evaluating, keep trying it. But you can't give up on it. Like Lovey Smith gave up on it. Like you can't can't give up on this because a lot of these kids, where it's T.J. McMillan, right, uh, Hank Beatty. Aiden Lawfrey. These guys would like to play close to home. Like it means some of those guys. If you start winning games, you start producing some NFL draft picks. Those are the two most important things, right? I think is NFL draft picks maybe one and, and winning games too. I think you're gonna guess have, what though. You can be one and two, but they go hand in hand. Yes, right. <laughs> so I, I, th- I think both those things. Like once you start doing those things, more of those top ten guys will come. Yeah, I guess let's be let's be honest. So one flaw, especially offensively, you can say they've made in this recruiting process since December of 2020 was hiring Tony Peterson. Mm-hmm. That offense didn't get going with him as the offensive coordinator. The passing offense wasn't there. Like otherwise, I I just feel like the processes have been have been good. They've evaluated early when that's been available. They've gotten kids on campus. They've shown their faith. I mean they. I don't know. I, I'm not just. I'm not trying to say like, oh, don't worry about it, because you would like to land. Like that's the next step in this recruiting is to go and land some of those top guys. But if you look at like, I don't know what they could have done differently with Malik Elzey before he committed to Cincinnati. I have no earthly idea what yeah. they could have done differently. He loved like it. I. He loved Illinois. 
Yeah, it's, uh, that's just kind of where it is right now. It's a, I know we got a little sidetracked. We were talking about Chattanooga not long ago, but <laughs> I, I just think it's interesting. All right, Joey Wagner, appreciate the time as always. Uh, we will be on the post-game podcast, Chattanooga. That will be a late night, late night pod. Uh, I was thinking about that today. Are we uh, – two more – I have two questions for you, Jeremy. Yes. Are we going to bed earlier – oh, you, Mike, is you probably got a little bit of travel after the Chattanooga game than the Indiana game. I my my bedtime was five a.m. after the Indiana game, five a.m. Eastern time. You were like four, four. But that was also an FS1 game that basically has games during commercials. Yeah. That Tao's commercials are so long. I think it's going to be earlier than that. <laughs> four hour games, man. That, that's oh, the that, worst. That, that's the payment for all of this money that's coming into these programs. Is yeah. boy, they're going to eke out those commercials because that's where all the money's coming from. Uh, so I will go. No, I I think five a.m. is probably gonna be my bedtime for this one. And you know what's you know what's worse? My wife is flying out to Vegas that night on a girls' trip, and I I might have to be up by like ten a.m. with the kids, or nine a.m. I don't know. Uh, look, I'm not a parent, but I would maybe like lay out some cereal. If you could get some milk in small cups and a tablet, Just put it in a saucer. <laughs> yeah, see how long this can go. I mean, I, I'm sure. Like, yeah, I don't know. See, just see how far you can push it. Just lock, Jeremy, lock the I'm doors. Saying. Tell them don't do anything stupid. Yeah, everything will be all right. The second question. Yeah. Over under two and a half as Illinois is Illinois being the best offense in the Big Ten West. So are they two or are they below two and a half? This is weird and because I, like Purdue has the best passing offense by far. Like Aiden yeah. O'Connell and Charlie Jones, like that Lincolnshire Stevenson connection has has uh made its way five years later like they they are pretty damn good throwing the ball they don't run the ball very well minnesota's balanced i'm still interested to see tanner morgan against better defenses i think that's my game of the week in the big 10 is minnesota against michigan state Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm fascinated by that matchup because i really do like minnesota i just think they're the most balanced team as a whole team in the big 10 now i think iowa and wisconsin defense is better but iowa can't score and then wisconsin the grand mertz has potential but it just can a lot of, a lot of illinois offense in wisconsin right now like the same kind of you know you're going to be able to run the ball your offense your passing game maybe can yeah maybe can't i would take narrowly the under but if we say this jeremy and illinois offense is left so much yeah. out there yeah it, it's it's crazy yeah they they got they got some they got the potential of a minnesota offensively Right, I think their wide receivers might be more talented now with Chris Altman Bell out. Yeah. Um, the quarterback, I know Tanner Morgan is more proven, but I don't know if he's better than Tommy DeVito. Can you? I'm just trying to. I, in my mind, I just went to like the game when Tanner Morgan has to look at Sidney Brown again, and just be like, oh god, not this guy. Northwestern. Northwestern's offense is better. Their defense is atrocious. Like that. I wrote it in in my rankings. Like they haven't been good since Mike Hankwitz left. Uh, they're four and eleven, and they're giving up like twenty nine points a game, which is not what Northwestern is. Northwestern's usually Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's usually what they they were. Uh, so no, not them. Nebraska's offense. Nebraska's offense is pretty good. Like Casey Thompson's pretty good. Yeah. Probably under, but they're top I four. I put three to four, right? Yeah, they're top four. Like, in, in certain weeks, they could be the best offense in the Big That's 10. what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's, that's just look around the West. That's at my least, point. At least in like, yards, they got to score. Yeah. You got to yes. be better in the red zone. 
this team has left so much out there and this is a legitimate conversation like that's just the big 10 west offensively and i i think you can just we're, we're not saying this because like there's obviously there's signs that you can see where illinois offense would start to maybe round that corner but the fact that this is the conversation when the offense kind of lost in the game at indiana and the offense left 15 or you know 14 points on the board of virginia man i mean if they can score 40 points plus combined against both wisconsin and iowa they're probably a top two offense in the big 10 or big 10 west because those defenses are legit like yeah top 10 in the country what do, what do you think the over-under point total is going to be set at oh, for the God. Illinois-Wisconsin, Illinois-Iowa game? 38? Yeah. That was a long way to go, right? I mean, it was, Iowa specifically, I think, has a little more room for variance because they're starting to get some of those receivers back. I thought that was a big deal. Uh, was it Keegan Johnson they got back, I thought, right? And, and So, like, I, I'm interested to see how that goes, but I just think there's a lot of variance there. Wisconsin, that might be like 37 and a half. We, we got to remember Iowa was like the 110th offense in the country last year <laughs> when they went what 11 and two or 10 and three, whatever they did. Oh my god! Like they weren't very Big good. Big Ten West. Big Ten good. West. Love it. Love it. Honor you, Joey Wagner. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Great stuff as always. Thank you for listening to the Online Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, and review wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate when you do that. Take out 15 seconds of your day. Helps us a lot. And give us a follow on YouTube. Subscribe to us there. Hit the notifications bell. And you can get your latest Illini content on YouTube as well. And if you're not a VIP member to Illini Enquirer, as always, $1 for your first month of Illini Enquirer. You can try us out. Try out the VIP side of things. See if you like it with all the news with Illinois football and Illinois basketball recruiting. I think it's a good time uh, to try that out. But appreciate you listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you afterwards right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Mm-hmm.